Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 140th video cast, 130th podcast for the week ending June 23rd, 2022. Welcome, everyone. We've got a ton of great information to cover today. Uh, first off, uh, quick on the media, I would like to thank Finley Walker and Liz Clayman for having me on the Clayman Countdown on Monday of this week. We'll get into this uh, later as we go to the article of the week. Then I'd like to thank uh, Kristen Scholler, Ali Thompson, Talia Torella for having me on Cheddar on Tuesday. And then I'd like to thank Phil Yin and Zaina Al Shaib for having me on CGTN America also on Tuesday. Moving on to the articles, as always, love to thank Ellen Chang for including me in her article on thestreet.com. This was about uh, where to look in tech uh, for this year, and I talked about Alibaba, so you can read that on the website. Uh, Then I want to thank Zoltan Saranyi and Phil Hall for including me in their article on Benzinga regarding Kellogg. The three-way split, which was basically the sum of the parts is greater in the whole, greater than the whole. Um, uh, fast-growing snacks business will get a higher multiple than the cereal business. This is a key value unlock that was not available when snacks were lumped in with cereal. I expect to see more companies to follow suit in coming months. Um, Want to thank uh, Anisha Sirkar and Devik Jain for including me in their Reuters article. And this was an interesting article. Uh, got some pushback, but. What I said in this quote was that the market, in a sense, may have already priced in a shallow recession with the S&P down over 20%, the NASDAQ down over 30%. Uh, You had negative GDP in Q1, so it's possible the second quarter is negative, in which case the recession could potentially be in the rearview mirror. Not I I think the better way to phrase that is more that the impact of the recession on the stock market could be in the rearview mirror. Because by the time they announce recession, the market has already bottomed. The market is a discounting mechanism. So the market may have already discounted a shallow recession. I think that's all we're going to get. And if you look at Atlanta GDP now, it's at zero. We're going to get a new uh, print on the 27th. Uh, I think that's Monday. Uh, and if that comes in negative, although the Atlanta GDP is usually more pessimistic than the actual numbers, in which case more likely we have the shallow recession sometimes ne- next year. But it would be nice to get it over with if we got this quarter of negative GDP uh, and then you see inflation start to peak, which we saw with the PPI, etc. cetera. Uh, the worst may be b- behind us from a stock market standpoint. From employment, unemployment will tick up a bit, probably a percent or two. Uh, maybe more depending how aggressive they get with hiking and how much they understand the lagged effect of policy and they've got to do something and then wait, do something and then wait. I know there's a a whole contingent that want to see them go up to uh, 8% overnight and and crash the whole world, but uh, that's probably not the prudent way to think about it. Um, I went through 1,200 different indicators. Uh, Yeah, that's right, 1,200 this weekend. Uh, And I pulled a bunch. Some of them will be duplicates. I just can't sort through, you know, out of 1,200, I've got, I don't know, 100 here. Just want to show you guys. I want to impress where we are in terms of an historic level of extreme and how that relates to other bottoms. And, um, you know, this is consumer discretionary, new highs and new lows. 
they all have the S&P in the background. In a perfect world, this would have XLY in the background, but they, they overlap and they basically sink. And you can see these, these extreme bottoms in the pandemic. And then in 2018, when the Fed messed up in December, uh, and then 2015 and 2016, and 2011 European debt crisis were dramatically more oversold than every single one of those instances with the exception of the pandemic lows. Uh, so that puts it in uh, context. Same thing here, new highs minus new lows on real estate. Uh, you know, got this low in 2018, in 2020. I'm gonna actually start to click some of these off so we can create some bandwidth here because we've got hundreds of tabs open. Uh, technology highs minus lows. This is the lowest ever in more than a decade. L lowest ever uh, since, since they have the data. Uh, much worse than the uh, pandemic lows. So these are times, look, if you're not a buyer when things get this extreme and there gets this much fear, then you're, you're in the wrong business. I'm not saying it's going to be the perfect low, uh, but I'm going to actually cover how you can make a lot of money in your lifetime uh, messing up and not buying the perfect low. As a matter of fact, buying way too early and having it go another 40% against you and still making huge above average money over time, which we covered in the Cheddar interview and we're gonna go into in the article of the week. Um, so uh, this is NASDAQ uh, percent of stocks above the 200 day moving average. Again, debt crisis lows, uh, 2016 crash lows, uh, Fed crash lows in 2018, pandemic crash lows, right at this level of 11.63. Uh, these are levels where you've been paid massive amounts of money to be a buyer versus a seller. Could it go lower? You bet. But um, again, you know, amateurs talk in absolutes, professionals talk in probabilities, and that's what we've just tried to hammer home over the uh, weeks and months as we've uh, gone through these different lessons and, uh, and it played out in the pandemic and it's gonna play out here again. So. Um, NASDAQ above 150 day moving average, so just a different look. NASDAQ above 200 day moving average. Uh, New York Stock Exchange, uh, uh, NYSE stocks above the 200 day. Again, you get paid to buy at these levels. Uh, above NYSE above 200 day. You're getting the, the theme here, guys. I mean, <laughs> these, at these extreme levels, you got paid huge money to step in when everyone else was negative and calling for the end of the world. Uh, S&P 100, same story. Uh, record high index for the NASDAQ. The only time it looked this terrible was 2015, 2016. You got a monster rally for the next two years. By the way, this was in anticipation of the tightening cycle, which went from 200, 2016 to 2018, and the NASDAQ ripped off that pessimism. When? After they did the first hike, uh, things started to move up. And I think we're gonna see similar story. Same thing, S&P stocks above 200 day moving average, above 50 day moving average. Here's the new highs minus new lows percent on the S&P. Only time it was this low was the pandemic. Uh, S&P 1500, which is, uh, includes the mid caps, new highs minus new lows. You're, you're getting the pattern here. This is uh, uh, the Toronto Stock Exchange, same story. Same story, same story, same story. Energy sector, uh, new highs minus new lows. The only time it's been this elevated was in 2014, uh, and that was the end of that, uh, that bull market for energy, and from 15 to 16. 
I don't know that this, I don't think this is going to be the end of the bull market in energy, but I do think the trapdoor is open. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at a chart in a minute that shows the exploration and production stocks down 28% in the last three weeks. So the trapdoor is opening. We've been talking about it and, uh, and here it is. So financial sector, Spider, new highs minus new lows. Uh, I think some of these banks are getting cheap. There's an article we'll cover about Citi. I think Wells Fargo is now cheap at these levels at $37. So we were buyers at 25. We were sellers at 58. Uh, would we be buyers again at 37? I think so. Uh, are we uh, buyers? No, because we got uh, our top three positions. Uh, we've, we were fully invested. Uh, but you know, I mean, Wells will, will be a double from here. I mean, our, all of our top positions uh, are going to be more than that. And that's why we don't have more money going to Wells Fargo. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. But uh, maybe we'll free up some cash to put in Wells Fargo. I'll see. Uh, but it's not going to be from our top three positions, that's for sure. Um, same thing, technology, new highs minus new lows. Okay, Dow Jones Industrial, percent of stocks above the 150. Similar story all around, whether it's the Dow, the NICE. Uh, the NASDAQ, this, this is the mid cap, this is the NASDAQ, uh, etc. 52 week highs minus Dow Jones. Uh, here is NASDAQ high low index. Here is more NASDAQ, more Dow. Uh, here is Amex. Healthcare, bullish percent, uh, got down really low to seven. That was a buying opportunity. Uh, and, uh, and we're starting to see some bids. I think Cigna got upgraded again today. Uh, technology sector, bullish percent. This is just the number of stocks on a point and figure um, buy signal. Uh, we don't use point and figure charting, but we do like this indicator as the percent that are on buy signals because when it gets down to this level, you got paid to be a buyer. Again, professionals think in probabilities, amateurs think in absolutes. Uh, consumer staples even got smashed in this environment. Uh, there's some things to do there. Uh, transports smashed, some things to do there. Think airlines, um, uh, shippers like FedEx, etc. cetera. Uh, here's utilities even got smacked. Um, so they've taken everything out to the woodshed, even the defensive stocks, even the energy stocks, which was the leader, uh, just to truly upset everyone and put them out of the market, put them in cash, have everyone buying insurance after the house is burned down so they can then rip it higher. And I think that's probably what we're going to see. Uh, you know, PPI is a leading indicator that has unequivocally peaked in uh, April. CPI is a lagging indicator that will follow. And we're going to look at commodities. That's why I'm on this computer this week instead of the other computer because it has much more bandwidth. Uh, and we're going to take a look at all the commodities and you're going to see what I see and saying, oh, wow, that's interesting. Because every time I turn on the TV, all I hear is inflation 60 times uh, from Democrats and 600 times from Republicans trying to get elected in November. Uh, so uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of that, even as it dies down. You know, oil could could have, and Republicans are going to be singing the inflation song into the election in November. That I can guarantee you without without equivocation. Um, Nasdaq, uh, McClellan summation index, and by the way, you would too if you were in their position going into an election, and that's what you did for a living. So remember, a politician's number one job is to get reelected. Uh, and that will never change, and that transcends borders, it transcends generations, uh, and that's just the way it works. McClellan summation index, okay, down at these levels. Again, 
professionals think in probabilities, amateurs think in absolutes. You get paid to buy it down at these levels uh, over time, so unequivocally. Uh, here is the 10-year yield rolling over. It peaked at 348, higher than we expected it would. It's now rolled back over to 304. That's a good thing. Here's the trap door opening on the uh, E&P names, which we warned about. It's gone from 169 down to 120 in uh, like a half a month, so 29% drop in about two and a half weeks. Uh, there's your trap door as everyone was chasing and saying buy the dip. Uh, all the people that hated energy in 2020 and were just jumping up and down on TV saying don't buy, don't buy, don't buy in 2020 uh, in the last uh, month had saying buy, 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 buy any weakness. Well, now they're getting their faces ripped off. So um, here's the dollar. Again, commercials continue to be short. That doesn't mean it drops right away, but it does mean inevitably it's going to drop because that's the smart money. Uh, and when that happens, the back half could get an earnings tailwind. This, this may prove to be an earnings headwind, though, for Q2, uh, which is maybe where we get the, uh, that second quarter of GDP for the recession, uh, which, would, which would be um, good to get it kind of in, in, largely in the rearview mirror as it relates to the stock market, lag basis for the real economy. Stock market's a discounting mechanism. Look at the euro. Uh, you know, commercials were buyers here you eventually get a rally buyers again not overnight but eventually you get that rally they're big buyers here i think the euro is going to be a buy here and, and it's just a matter of months as the dollar weakens uh, you see all these instances where the commercials were aggressive buyers ahead of time you get these massive rallies in the euro no one's looking for a euro rally here under any circumstance uh, or a weakness in the dollar and that's usually exactly when you get it do i know exactly why no uh, but I know about uh, smart money positioning and I know how it's worked historically. Professionals deal in percentages and probabilities. Amateurs deal in absolutes. If nothing's a guarantee. We play the probabilities. Same with the pound. No one wants to touch it with the 10-foot pole. That's probably due for a bounce as well. Moving along, Canadian dollar, as we always like to say, doesn't really matter in the scheme of the global economy. But for the Canadian viewers, we love you very much and appreciate you and uh, are grateful for all the incredible hockey players and actors that you've sent to America. Uh, so, uh, so there. And, and we wish you could be sending that beautiful tar sands oil to our country. If we had an administration that had approved the Keystone Pipeline, we wouldn't even be talking about this. But uh, we are where we are, and hopefully we'll get to... Uh, benefit from your great and uh, ample and uh, fruitful country full of beautiful natural resources that can fuel the world. Uh, but for now, we've, uh, you know, shut the border and, and we're not accepting the, uh, the incredible assets that you have to offer, uh, which is beyond me why we would ever consider doing that. But uh, it is what it is. That's what was voted for in the last election. That's what we got. Uh, no surprises, and uh, so now we have to, to bear the consequences and hopefully find a solution uh, in a scramble to uh, move it in a different direction. New Zealand dollar, uh, nothing clear, clear stands out there. Brazilian real, uh, I mean, you got massive selling. I don't know, how, how low can this thing go, though? I mean, that thing has been, so no view on that. South African RAND, same thing, this un, unabating uh, weakness for many, many years. Russian ruble actually is the strongest it's been since the war. It's stronger than it was in the pandemic, uh, which no one was expecting. But China and um, uh, India are taking the uh, amazing opportunity that the rest of the world has afforded them to buy unlimited quantities of Russian 
gas and oil at a tremendous discount to the market and they're loading their stockpiles at a clearance sale prices. So uh, Russia's probably making more money than they would have without the sanctions because uh, these two countries that are resource poor are stocking up at huge discounts. Russia's tie, hands are tied behind their back because they have no other customers, so they, they have to charge a huge discount. So while we pay $110 a barrel, uh, China and, and, uh, and India are paying fractions of that, loading up their strategic petroleum reserves while we're choking at the pump. Uh, talk about clever policy and uh, way, way to go, guys uh, and gals. So, um, okay, so energy and... See here, we got clicked out of that. Let's just get it back real quick. Uh, where were we? Um, ethanol. Yeah, ruble. Okay. I just want to go through all these. I want to especially get to the softs. Um, you know that that high in energy is still held. That spike high. So let's see. That's gasoline, natural gas. Uh, commercials are starting to sell. That could take some time. You could get another spike high, it's possible. Uh, crude, this is Brent crude. That spike high from uh, March is still held. Um, let's see, ethanol. Uh, bonds, let's, let's look at the 10 year versus the 30 year. Okay, so the 10-year, I love this chart because look what the commercials, there have only been basically a couple times in recent history where commercials have been buying this aggressively. Sure, it kept going down and then it bottomed and you got one of the biggest rip-your-face-off rip rallies in 2019. Um, you're seeing massive commercial buying into this weakness uh, and, and uh, it looks like this week uh, bonds started to rally a little bit. We'll see if we get any follow-through. They're up today. The 10-year yield, as you saw, has collapsed from 348 down to 304. So uh, this is pointing in the right direction. But look, when you see buyers, eventually you get a rally. Buyers rally. Buyers rally. Buyers a little rally. Buyers a big rally. Buyers, we're going to find out. But that could change the game in terms of the stock market, in terms of what let us down, tech, et cetera, leading us up. Um, all right, where? come on, let's get to the shorts here. The uh, softs, rather. Um, okay, euro dollar, that's another rate play. So for corn. Okay, corn, look at the amount of selling these commercials did. This looks exactly like 2011 to 2013. You had big selling, then they bought in a little bit because they were early, then they started selling again down here. I think corn's going to collapse over the next two years. That's, that's, that's really what I'm seeing. And, and there's a leading indicator with fertilizer prices. Um, this is kind of that second blow off in here. This, this is like record selling. Same thing. They were selling here. They were too early. They bought, they sold, and then collapse. So uh, corn is probably an interesting short if you have a 12 to 24 month horizon. Same with soybeans. Look at this record selling. Uh, they were selling, they were early, it came in a little bit, then they sold again and you got the final collapse. Same here, same here, and final collapse. Same here, 
So, um, so corn, soybeans, all these staples look like they're, they're about to collapse. I don't know what the catalyst is going to be. Uh, I don't say that with a surety. I say it with probability. That's why I show you all the historical instances. Go to hedgefundtips.com, click on terms. Not a, uh, this is opinion, not advice, et cetera, et cetera. Soybean oil, same thing. It looks like that second top is in uh, and it's starting to roll over and crack already. Um, what do we have here? Wheat is already cracked. Uh, that's good to see, um, which you'd never know if you watch by watching uh, conventional news media because everyone's talking about how it's the end of the world. Look, it hasn't been fun, that's for sure. Oats are starting to roll over. Um, rough rice, no one really cares about. Um, canola, wow, canola has really come in. Um, S&P, what do you have? Just the opposite. Um, while they were selling before this rollover, they're now buying. Selling before this rollover, then they started buying and you got the rally, etc., etc. Selling here before the rollover. So it's not, it's not perfect every time. Uh, particularly, don't use the E-minis. A lot of people point to the E-minis and they get faked out. Commercials... Uh, um, Large traders don't use the minis. Um, here at the Dow, they're buying. Same thing here at the pandemic lows, they're buying, then you got the rally. Russell, massive buying. And by the way, interesting thing about the Russell, small caps have done nothing now for four years. We'll look at another chart that shows that. But just look at this level of, of, uh, of commercials buying. The valuations are at historic lows. Uh, that's something worth looking at. The VIX. VIX does this very often. So you had the big crash in, in 08, then it comes down, and then you get this after tremor. Same thing, we had the big crash during the pandemic, then you get this after tremor, and everyone looks with recency bias, well, when it goes back up over 80, that'll be capitulation, and it never does. You don't get, probabilistically, you don't get two heart attacks in the same couple of years. You get a heart attack every 10 years, give or take. Um, here is the, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, live cattle. Uh, it came in a little bit, but it's still elevated. That, that works on a lagged six to nine month basis. Um, let's look at lean hogs. Not yet ready to crack. Um, let's look here. Pork cutout, that must be a new contract. Milk, that's thinly traded. Non-fat milk, they really trade non-fat milk futures, butter futures, uh, cheese futures. Man, they, <laughs> they got a lot of free time on their hands in the Midwest where they trade these contracts. All right, uh, gold. Commercials have been aggressive sellers through this whole strength. Now, it doesn't mean that can't keep peaking up, but last time we saw this type of rally and t double top like this with uh, commercials as net sellers, you had from 2013 to 2007, just a 17, just a constant downtrend. But all the gold bugs will tell you, well, inflation is unsustainable now. This is going to go to 8,000, and they may be right. But the smart money is telling me a completely different story that two years out, gold is lower, not higher. Uh, Non-consensus, but, um, you know, I just go with probabilities, not absolutes. High-grade copper, cracking, rolling over. That's good news. They, they were selling this strength. 
You had this top build just like you had in 2011, selling the strength, top build, and then boom, and then a multi-year downtrend. Um, moving right along, platinum is, has been weak, uh, no view there. Uh, palladium had that final spike peak in March. It's been rolling over since. That's good to see. Cotton. Cotton is just starting to roll over. See, they've been sellers into all this strength. Now they're buyers, and that's when it starts to roll over. Same thing here in 2011. As they start to be buyers, boom, you get the crack, and then you get a collapse. That goes into all the clothes that you wear. Uh, coffee, same thing. They've been huge sellers into this strength, and then boom, you get the topping, a crack, and roll over. I'd be short coffee on a 12 to 24-month view. Sugar, same story. All the things that people are, think are going to go up forever, uh, smart money is showing you is not cocoa's already coming in uh, lumber completely collapsed down from six seventeen hundred down to now uh, five ninety uh, so that's that moving along orange juice that's that's uh, idiosyncratic but they are sellers I'd be short you know gun to my head shorter long I'd be short sugar I, I uh, yeah definitely short this season yeah I'd, I'd Towards the uh, end of fall, I don't want to be short going into February. You get a freeze in Florida, you're toast. Uh, and that's it for commodities. So I'm glad we got through those. Some articles of the week. Uh, Wall Street's classic strategy set for worst quarter than 2008. Basically, what they're showing here is that the 60-40 bonds, nothing's worked this year. You couldn't hide in bonds. It's worse. You've had the worst quarter it was worse than the great financial crisis because during the great financial crisis when stocks were collapsing bonds were going up this quarter everything was going down worst quarter in history um everyone says wow that's terrible i say wow that has created like unprecedented opportunity that we've not seen in history uh but uh but that's just me i i look for the opportunity and the difficulty most people look for the difficulty and the opportunity uh, Lagarde restates ECB hiking plan as crisis tool takes shape. Basically, you want the summary of this article. Italian yield spiked to 4% last week. They held an emergency meeting and they decided that they're going to do QE again, even though they, they're pretending that they're tightening on the rates, which they're going to continue to do, maybe one or two more hikes. Uh, but they're back in the market buying the periphery pigs bonds, uh, which is quantitative easing. They can call it whatever they want, but that's that's what they're doing. They're buying bonds. So now you not only have Japan in the market buying unlimited bonds, uh, uh, trying to get an export advantage over China by, by debasing their currency, but you also have Europe back in the market buying bonds. Biden says he and Xi, China Xi, to talk soon, weighing tariffs. He's going to remove tariffs likely on $300 billion of goods. That'll help our China stocks. Uh, um, don't know if it'll do much by way of inflation in the U.S. It might have a modest impact. Uh, it, it can hurt from a price standpoint, from a political and strategic standpoint. That's a different story. But uh, we're not in the business to have ideologies. We're in the business to make money. China stocks will go up. New Oriental shares soar on new live stream success. Uh, this is an amazing story. As a matter of fact, um, I post some of my article of the weeks on Seeking Alpha, and they invited me to their office uh, on Vanderbilt in the city last week, and I met this guy. And he was Chinese guy, Chinese national, and he was uh, telling me about the CEO um, of uh, this company, EDU, 
is the ticker and how basically he's he's burned the bridges you know the government shut down the education business he sold off all the buildings he's told the uh activist shareholders don't even i'm not liquidating the company i built this once i'm going to build something again and he's he's pivoted to this live stream business he even did a live stream himself they're cooking uh in that business and the stock is up so uh, all these companies, you know, Didi, the same thing. They're getting back on the app. They're the Uber and uh, Lyft of China. Uh, the company was delisted. It trades on the pink sheets just fine. So everyone's afraid of uh, delisting. Even if you didn't switch to Hong Kong stocks, it'll be a pink sheet stock and it'll trade just fine, just like Tencent. Uh, and now these stocks are starting to go up materially. Some of them have doubled in the last few weeks. So the ones that left for, for left for dead, if you're patient, you get rewarded. China stocks are bucking global market volatility. Tech is leading the way. So opinion follows the trend. You're seeing more and more positive stock, positive articles about Chinese stocks. Citigroup is the cheapest stock of the big banks. This is from Carlton English. She's a great uh, bank reporter over at uh, Barron. She was very helpful during the uh, pandemic when she was one of the few people writing about bringing those reserves back onto the balance sheet. I know she reads this uh, note each week uh, and uh, video cast, and she's just done an incredible job uh, in that sector. Mario Biofarm and Theseus Pharmaceuticals, see activists from activist investors. Uh, the game is on in biotech. We're gonna talk more about that. China studying, this is a few days ago, now they're doing, but before they were studying extraordinary support for manufacturers, and this is to promote consumption if you read the the entire article china imports russian crude oil hit record high they are loading the boat uh, they are buying like they did in 2016 when when us was puking and choking on oil they were loading their strategic petroleum reserve they did the same thing in 2009 when everyone was else was puking china was buying just like trump was buying in the pandemic while well, all the commentators are on tv were saying to sell trump loaded our spr which gave biden the latitude to put out a million barrels a day uh russia and china are following suit and getting a huge bargain from russia i'm sorry china and india are following suit and getting a huge bargain from russia china stock rally is becoming a lifeline for asian portfolios china's outperforming everything in the last three months since they bottomed in march in our view China IPO fundraising doubles U.S. total to top global ranks. So we put sanctions on them to not uh, uh, do uh, raises. So they just did it on their own. And now they've left us in the dust. Uh, so unintended consequence of not well thought out policy decisions. Uh, Macau Gaming overhaul law approved. Casino licensing to restart. That'll be good for the, um, uh, the winds and the Las Vegas Sands, which we like, and the Melco Crowns. Uh, they've been in the gutter because, you know, on and off again, COVID, uh, border restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. Now the licensing is done. That's the most important thing. COVID is fleeting, but the licenses are, have been, will be permanent now that they're approved. And these things will rip higher and no one will be paying attention. Once they're up double, people start paying attention to them as well. Uh, DD apps ousted from China app stores for privacy reasons near their return after ride hailing firms NYSE delisting. If you remember, they listed without the blessing of the CCP. The CCP shut them down, shut down their app, put them in the penalty box. The, everyone got scared. It was part of the reason for the uh, collapse in tech stocks. Now uh, they are trading on the pink sheets just fine. They're starting to get a bid. They're getting back on the app store, et cetera, et cetera, which is why every time you see a story about the Ant Financial IPO, 
uh, coming about, some as say as quickly as next month, probably be delayed now that it got so much uh, media um, coverage. Um, uh, the, Ant, the pulling of the Ant Financial IPO uh, is what started the um, China tech depression. And I say depression, the K-Web was down 80%. There's only been a few times in history you could buy a whole group down 80%. One was the Great Depression if you bought the Dow Jones. The second was the tech wreck if you bought the NASDAQ in 20, uh, 2002. If you bought the, during those times, you made generational wealth. And the third one that I've seen is um, China Tech, uh, which ended in March. And, uh, you know, the bellwethers like Baba are now up 45 some odd percent off the lows and dramatically below their intrinsic value. Uh, we believe trading around a third of their intrinsic value at present. And that'll take a few years to, p- to play out. Apple's iPhone output said to have soared in China. That's some good news amid the tech sell off. Uh, China vows more pro-growth policies as banks urge to step up. Uh, Banks are called to increase funding for infrastructure, Um, macro policies. There are a few of these articles that were just about pushing consumption. It's all interrelated. If the economy does well, consumption goes up. Um, But uh, so they're pushing banks there. Jack Ma's aunt to apply for key license as soon as this month. This is from uh, yesterday. And central bank plans to accept apps Ant's application and begin the review. Ant said it has no timetable for submitting application. They have to deny until the CCP gives them the blessing. But, you know, all these leaked articles from sources are saying it's moving forward, plus that lady going on the board uh, that runs the Hong Kong exchanges. Why would they put her on if they weren't going public? Wall Street faces billion-dollar losses on sinking buyout debt. This is very important. So, Credit markets are closed. The 10-year yield has gone from uh, 132 to, you know, 340, and now it's round-tripping back to 304. As that starts to go down further, and we see that earnings are, you know, modestly better than expected uh, in the next few weeks, and we get a summer rally is our expectation, then uh, we'll see these credit markets unplug. Why does this matter? So basically, they financed a lot of LBO debt, And they guarantee the pricing at issuance. So the banks are choking on this debt that they can't sell now that rates have shot up so much. The bonds have fallen and they've got, you know, $80 billion worth of commitments uh, backing this type of debt. So the high yield market is is temporarily impaired. That's why you have companies like Cooper Standard trading at such a huge discount for fear that they won't be able to go in the market. That's the bad news. The good news is you know, we've got a year and a half uh, in terms of Cooper Standard. And my sense is they're going to generate enough EBITDA uh, and generate enough cash that they don't even need to refinance if they don't want to. Uh, they'll be able to just pay it off from cash if need be. But as, as is always the case, um, and I've shared this story before from my favorite movie of all time, Swingers with uh, Vince Vaughn and John Favreau, when when they're going, they're driving from L.A. They're aspiring actors. They're driving from L.A. to Las Vegas, and um, Mikey, which is played by John Favreau, starts to uh, no, I'm sorry, Trent, played by Vince Vaughn, is sitting in the passenger seat of their, I think it was like a Ford Fairlane convertible, uh, driving that long long trek from uh, L.A. to Vegas. I've done that one time myself, by the way, and. Uh, uh, Trent starts putting on the suit. Mikey goes, what are you putting on a suit for? We're going to a casino. And uh, Vince Vaughn turns to John Favreau 
uh, and says, um, because when you don't need the S, they give you the S in terms of comps. Uh, and that's exactly the case with Cooper Standard. They'll, they'll, they'll bang out a quarter with 30, 40 million of EBITDA like they did right after the pandemic before the chip shortage. Uh, and then all the banks will be begging for their business and they'll not only refi the term loan, they'll probably do the senior secured in one, one full fell swoop. If the, uh, if the terms are attractive, if they're not, they'll just do the term loan uh, and then do the uh, senior secured the following year uh, or just do it from cash. But either way, uh, that's what's created the opportunity in the equity. And this has been basically, you know, explicitly frozen in the last month, which now it should start to be thawing as uh, yields come out. But everything works on a lag basis. But that's what's created the opportunity in the equity. So when people say, well, how are they going to refinance? Well, that's why you've got the opportunity to buy it. Uh, what was a $3 billion company on normalized EBITDA now trading at $70 million. It's certainly high risk, high reward. But if you look through, um, your bet is one of two things happens. One, the credit markets reopen in a year and a half or two, uh, the chips come in. And what we've seen from, from the notes we've looked at and the people that we've talked to uh, I know a number of uh, dealers, I, well, two things. One, I, um, they're picking up one of my cars to do normal service on Monday. I asked them if they're getting cars in. They said they had such a dry spell for the, for the first part of the year. And in the last two months, they're getting tons of deliveries. Um, now, that's kind of a niche uh, auto manufacturer, Italian. Uh, I'll just leave it like that. But, um, but I do know, um, I play golf with uh, BMW dealers and um, guys that own uh, BMW dealerships and Ford dealerships, and it's getting better across the board, which tells me that my thesis that the chips have started to come in is playing out. Uh, and I think we're going to see that accelerate. Yesterday's shortage will be tomorrow's glut. High prices cure high prices. So, um, okay. Uh, emerging markets valuations have never been better. Uh, so what are they talking about here? The valuation gap between U.S. tech and Chinese tech has widened considerably with Bellwether Chinese stocks such as Alibaba and Tencent trading at multi-decade lows. All right, we've, we've, we've beat this dead horse over and over. Alibaba is the cheapest it's ever been on a P.E. basis. No kidding. While Tencent hasn't been this cheap on a P price to book basis in 20 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you can read that on your time. Uh, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones scores a billion dollar natural gas gambit. Uh, football team owner bought control of Comstock resources at the depths of the gas bust and now his stake is worth more than twice what he paid. So is ours, by the way. We've talked about that uh, in our podcast. We still own a good slug of Comstock and we will buy it even at, we will own it even as the trapdoor opens for the general uh, energy sector. This is a three to five year play in the natural gas. And uh, if we have capital free, we'll probably buy more if it gets hammered uh, in coming weeks or months. But um, uh, that, that, that's a secular play, the natural gas plays. And we've talked about range resources over and over. Big options bet is positioning for more gains in Chinese stocks. So there's uh, 200,000, more than 200,000 contracts changed hands in the trade that had two legs involved the buying and selling of contracts with different strikes. Uh, this is regards A shares ASHR uh, that pushed the daily options volume 523,000, eight and a half times the average turnover in the past 20 days. 
So opinion follows trend with these stocks up 40 and 50%. Now everyone's chasing and buying the options, which is great because then the dealers have to buy the stock, which pushes the stock higher and the game is on. Um, China's payments, fintechs, sectors to play bigger role in boosting the economy, President Xi says, is a positive signal for big tech. Fintech sectors to play bigger role in boosting the economy. What is the number one fintech play in China or the world, by the way? They do 25 times the amount of a turnover volume that PayPal does, um, um, uh, Ant Financial, and that excludes its asset management business, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, kind of like merging Visa and BlackRock in one business. It's unbelievable. Um, so, but now Xi is giving the CCP blessing, and if that, that's a smart move because then it'll go public, it'll be able to raise capital. Uh, expand and uh, Baba shareholders own a third of that business, which is now valued at 188 billion, which will be valued at a trillion. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And that's 333 billion to Baba owners, which is more than the entire market cap of the Baba business. Oh, and by the way, you get Amazon Web Services and Amazon of China for free. Uh, how's that for a deal? I mean, this is just exciting. So nonetheless, uh, China Xi vows more forceful tools more forceful tools to achieve this year's economic targets. He realizes there's something called a calendar, uh, and he's got the, the China National Congress in November. We'll step up macroeconomic policy adjustment and adopt more forceful measures to deliver the economic and social development goals for the whole year and minimize the impact of COVID-19, which is basically saying we're not going back to COVID zero if we can help it. We got to hit 5.5% GDP. There are a lot of people in those 100 families that control the country that are not happy with me. My power is not unlimited despite the media narrative, and I better get my S together before November and juice this economy. And that's exactly what he's going to do. And he will do whatever it takes. And then uh, as our inflation's rolling over, uh, theirs will be going through the roof next year. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the stock market has fallen, but earnings expectations have. And why, why, that, why is that a problem? So this is an article about everyone consensus is now uh, we're going into a recession. Uh, earnings are going to drop 20 percent. And then you put a multiple on it and the stock has the stock. The S&P is going down to 3000. It's possible. It's not probable. And I'm going to show you a chart. What everyone's forgetting here is earnings are in nominal terms. They are not in real terms. So everyone's wages have gone up. Prices have gone up. By the way, earnings have gone up. So even if earnings have only gone up, you know, if real earnings have gone up, you know, de minimis, but prices have gone up 8%, you're still going to see 6 to 8% top line growth, 6 to 8% bottom line growth in nominal terms, uh, even if the real growth is not that good because we've had this level of inflation. So you'd really have to drop on a nominal basis, like 20, you know, on a real basis, you'd have to drop materially to see these kind of things that they're looking at. And, and, and the problem is, is 90% of these analysts that are writing these reports have never seen inflation so they don't they don't understand properly the difference between nominal and real as it relates to top line and bottom line and that's why the drop we'll see some drops we'll probably see a five percent drop and then people will panic and say 25 percent is coming the market's not low enough and maybe they'll be right but I, you know 
Um, I would reserve judgment. You know, when the facts change, you can change your mind. Right now, earnings are going up every single week. And they're going up for a reason. It's not like, let's make the worst call we can make so we have career risk. It's like they're seeing in their channel checks and talking with management that on a nominal basis, that things are going up. So even if uh, real growth dropped 4% and nominal growth and inflation is plus eight, you get a plus four. This is not, you know, my, my fifth grader could do this with her eyes closed with variables in the equation and, uh, and, and it would be a slam dunk. So uh, you have to keep an open mind on that. The sh a shocking number of stocks are in the red. Here's why that's a bullish sign. This is a note from, um, I don't know why this keeps logging out. Could someone just make a thing that never logs anyone out of anything? Um, so this was a note from Bespoke and it basically said, so many stocks ailing. Okay, with so many stocks, all right, there's a laundry list of problems and it, seemed, and it means that almost no stock is immune from declines. In fact, uh, the S&P's cumulative advanced decline for the 10 days leading into Tuesday revealed an especially low number of stocks rising. That number subtracted, subtracts daily declining stocks from daily advancing ones and adds up to each day's tally for a 10-day period. If the number is net negative, it means there are more stocks falling than rising on a daily basis. We, you saw the visual of this basically in the 100 charts I showed you at the beginning of this call. Uh, coming into Tuesday, the number was negative 1907. That's worse than the majority of 10-day stretches during the past 20 for stock market corrections dating back to 1990, according to Bespoke Investment Group. When so many stocks are ailing, the market tends to perform handsomely from that point forward. In the six months following the advanced decline readings that Bespoke de deems extremely negative, the S&P averages a plus 13% gain. Looking one year out, the indices see a 22% rise. So, you know, again, professionals deal in percentages and probabilities, amateurs deal in absolutes, but for my money, 20% rise, everyone's looking to sell. As a matter of fact, if you listen to the Cheddar interview I did this week, uh, you can see the tone of the uh, questions. And the uh, if you look at the uh, banners that they put under when I was talking, the banners did not correlate with what was coming out of my mouth. But it's, it's this overriding negative sentiment that everyone is feeling because people are feeling it in their pocketbooks every day in food and gas in the short term because everything's on a lag basis. Um, you're going to see the embodiment of that and how everyone's selling. And what I told Kristen was, she said, so should investors be selling here? I said, look, you know, and I've said this before, the time to buy insurance is before your house is on fire. Right, right now, the house is already burned down. You know, you've got to, this is the time to be looking at opportunities uh, and, and, and moving in on a selective basis. You know, you've got companies like Disney down 55%. Just, you know, hold your breath and think three years from now, are more people going to go to the parks or less? Are, is Disney Plus going to be in more international countries and with more children watching their family programming on the streaming or less? Are they going to put out more good movies or less? And the answer to your question is unequivocally more. And it's trading at 50% off, but no one's interested. So to get back to its highs, whether it takes three years or five years, it's got to go up 100 plus, 120%, 115%, uh, just to get back to its old highs. And Disney will invariably make new highs 
uh, and that's over you know, three years, five years, there's money to be made. If it drops another 20% from here, does that mean it's not going to highs? No, eventually it'll work up to new highs. So buy a third, buy a third if it goes up, buy a third if it collapses, and eventually you'll get a decent price. But you gotta take advantage probabilistically when the market serves this stuff up. You know, Starbucks down 42% on China overhang. You heard the man. He's going to do unreasonable, forceful stimulus. Forceful stimulus! What else do you want, guys? <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Chair Powell is on the Hill for two days talking about, you know, fumbling his thumbs. Well, you know, we might get a recession. And G is over there saying, I'm going to be so damn forceful. I am going to force this economy to grow at 5.5% if it kills me. And everyone's saying Chinese stocks are uninvestable. Wake up! You've got one half of the world that's tightening to destroy consumption and one half of the world that's easing to drive consumption and trying to do it as fast as possible, preferably before November, the China National Congress election. So wake up uh, is what I have to suggest. Uh, sorry to get so excited about that. That's, by the way, coffee free. That's just natural excitement, I got to tell you. Uh, okay, Powell is focused on curbing inflation, even at the risk of provoking a recession. We covered that. Xi reaffirms growth target that analysts say is out of reach. President says China will strengthen policies to meet goals, uh, while economists have cut their forecast to 4.1% from 5.5%. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're going to get this done by hook or by crook. I, I mean, barring some ridiculous wave of COVID and they do some stupid COVID zero, which is highly possible. Uh, I don't know that it's probable at this event, at this juncture, but it's possible. Um, and then coupled with that, uh, let's see, where is the other guy? I don't know. His number two guy came out and basically said, we're going to drive consumption like like it's going out of style. We're going to do everything to push consumption because that drives the economy. I tweeted it out so you can check. Oh, here we go. Premier Lee Kui Kwang urged authorities to roll out as many policies as possible to boost consumption, saying it's an important driving force to get the economy back on track. Who benefits from consumption? Number one, Alibaba. So there you go. Uh, some tweets. Benjamin Graham, operations for profit should be based on opt not on optimism, but on ar arithmetic. And we've gone over all the valuations for biotech, for BABA, for Cooper Standard, etc. Um, Buffett, just to reemphasize, great investment opportunities come around when excellent companies are surrounded by unusual circumstances that cause the stock to be misappraised. It, this is textbook. Um, <laughs> this is uh, over the weekend, we got a new dog. Uh, we, we got a, another dog, we, which we named Pepper, uh, this, this little one here. This is a multi-poo. To keep our existing dog Lucky, a she-poo company. Now, um, you know, we weren't given Lucky enough attention. I mean, you know, when I'm not working, when the girls are not doing their schoolwork or swimming or whatever, we give her attention. But we're not like sit on the couch kind of people where the dog sits on our lap and we watch TV all day. So... You know, I was like, what are we going to do here? You know, we're, we're never here and I'm playing more golf when, when the markets are not open. Uh, so my mom came up with this idea. She was like, you know, because I kind of was, you know, gently lay, talking to my mom about laying off the dog on my mom. And she's like, listen, you could get another dog. And I said, that's absolutely brilliant. So we did that and it happened to coincide with the girl's birthdays, which were the 17th and 18th. 
Um, now, I voted to name, you know, because like you're stuck, you know, lovable dog, you know, but it just wasn't working great. Um, so I voted to call this new dog Double Down. That was going to be the name of the dog. And if you watch the movie Swingers from 1995 with Vince Vaughn and Jon Favreau, which is the only movie I've ever watched more than once, um, uh, you know, there's a scene where he goes double down. Uh, I thought this would be the perfect name for this dog. You know, we were stuck and then we doubled down. And by the way, it's worked incredibly well. So long story short, I lost the vote. The dog's named Pepper. They work great together. They're so happy together, which makes me super happy, makes the girls super happy. Everyone's happy. Great investment right there. Uh, now, here's also what got the market a little bit better this week. Bullard over the weekend, who's been super hawk, all of a sudden comes out and said, we don't have to go as far on quantitative tightening as it might seem, which means he saw what happened to Italian bond yields last week. He saw Lagarde do a backflip emergency panic, uh, which she had to because she had no understanding of where the market was uh, until it happened. And he's like, we cannot afford that with U.S. Treasuries. Uh, so let me, let me walk this back. And the market really, really liked that. The thing you need to understand is there's basically an, uns you know, there's something called coordinated uh, monetary, global monetary policy, uh, which is um, done at the Bank of International Settlements, where all the central banks kind of coordinate policy. And basically what it seems to me is the quid pro quo is they're going to let Japan devalue their currency into the oblivion to give them an exporting advantage, dramatic exporting advantage, uh, while, because they have basically no inflation on top of it, while um, they do quantitative tightening, they meaning the West, US, Europe, etc., and on the assumption that the Bank of Japan will pick up the slack. So we'll let you devalue your currency. We won't fight you on that with currency wars. You'll get an export advantage. They'll give you a competitive advantage over China on the export front. But you need to buy all of our bonds that we're dumping off of our balance sheet, which you can do because money is still free in Japan and the spread on the carry trade to borrow at negative rates and buy at, you know, you know, tenure at what was 350 is now three, 3%. It's free money all day long. Same thing with Europe, buying Italian bonds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it will allow them to inflate away their unsustainable debt to GDP ratio. That's what most of the Western world is trying to do, by the way, is their de debt to GDP ratios have become very high along the lines and in many cases higher than post-World War II. So the way that they did it in the 50s and 60s is they inflated that away with growth and, and uh, higher than trend inflation. If you remember, there was below trend inflation from 1930 to 1948 uh, and then above trend after when they had to inflate away all the debt that they raised to finance the war. The same thing is happening. The difference is it was an invisible enemy with COVID um, and, um, and that's basically what's happening in the West. So part of this is by design, part of it's by accident, the gas prices, they didn't realize the unintended consequences of stupid policies, but um, nor, nor did anyone really predict the Russian war, which you know was kind of a curveball, but you deal with it, roll with the punches, and, um, and that's that. But this is huge coming from the most hawkish guy on the Fed that basically he's saying, you know, <laughs> we thought we were going to be able to do quantitative tightening. It just ain't in the cards, more or less, is what he's saying. This is very important. 
Jurian Timmer put this out, which is basically what I've been saying. And he says, the market is nervous about earnings. Maybe inflation is why estimates are holding up so far. Duh! The chart illustrates that nominal earnings growth often holds up well during periods of high inflation. Think 1940s, 1970s. So it's not a given that earnings are about to crater. And this chart shows uh, his case in point, And that's what we think is the case as well. Real earnings growth may be, may be static to declining uh, with the slowing economy, but nominal is, is doing much better. Uh, this chart is very interesting. It shows the S&P 500 making lower lows while biotech is making higher lows and leading out. Same thing with China tech uh, um, having bottomed in March. Uh, biotech is showing the same tendency. Uh, here's a chart from Jay Capital. If I were compelled to take to make the inflation may soon wane start to argument, uh, I can think of worse places to start with these two charts. So he shows crude rolling over from 120 down to 104, and then copper, uh, you know, starting to collapse from you know 480 to 399, and we've gone through all those uh, commodities uh, earlier in this thing. Uh, Seth Golden puts out, when open interest leverage is this low, good things happen. He's showing Dow futures open interest in the last few times. This is just another indicator along with the hundreds that we covered. Um, here's a momentum base. This is a 14-week stochastic. Again, paid you to be a buyer versus a seller. Markets uh, as oversold as it was in the March 2020 lows. How many of you wish you were buyers in the March 2020 lows when I put out that article on March 19th uh, of 2020 that made market watch when, I, when the Dow was down 33% and I said that even in the 1918 pandemic, that Dow only dropped 35%. We're net buyers here at these levels. If you could go back in time and buy at those 2020 lows, would you? Well, it's the same setup. Are you gonna get the same outcome? There's no guarantee of that. But again, professionals deal in probabilities, amateurs deal in absolutes. You should be, in our view, uh, again, do what you want, you know, click on terms, talk to your financial advisor, etc. cetera. Uh, but if you're not buying high quality businesses on sale, at least starting to, to get small pieces of it, uh, you know, then it's not the right business for you. That's the bottom line. I mean, you can't outperform over time if you're not buying when everyone else is puking. That's just, that's just the way it works. Um, buy the index fund and go, you know, find another awesome career, go into real estate, you can make a fortune, go into, uh, you know, start a company in tech, uh, do something fun. Um, okay, bit difficult to suggest the NASDAQ unwind is analogous to the dot-com bust. This is from Seth Goldman. He took these chart, charts uh, data, I think from, uh, I think from, uh, where is this from? The Irrelevant Investor or something like that. Anyway, it shows the multiples today in tech relative to the multiples in, in 2000 at the peak of the tech wreck. And it basically shows on a weighted basis, if you take all the biggest companies and the weights, et cetera, that the multiples today are somewhere between 47% and 67% lower than they were at the tech rec peak. So um, it, the comparables are, are non-existent, number one. Uh, and number two, 
these companies are cash machines, growing cash machines. And, and number three, you had, again, a 10-year at 6.8, not at 3.04. Cost of capital was much different. Uh, this is one is from Sentiment Trader. This, again, uh, we covered this uh, stocks above the 50-day moving average. Uh, if you bought at any one of these points in time, which we are now, on average, one year later, you're up 27.65%. So uh, here's Dietrich uh, from um, LPL Financial, always puts out great stuff. Uh, good news is a year after such events, when you have a 5.8% weekly drop, for the second consecutive 5% down two weeks in a row. Uh, here's what happens. Six months out on average, you're up 13%. 12 months out, you're up 28%, which by the way is consistent with uh, uh, the last one from Seth. So that's pretty good. Uh, my friend Tiho put this out, which is really fascinating. Everyone always puts out these ridiculous arithmetic charts, which is shocking because most of the people putting out the ridiculous charts are CMTs who are supposed to know better that you use logarithmic charts not arithmetic charts, which look ridiculous. But um, nonetheless, here's the antithesis of, of that. Here's a 